let's break it down. We're back with another episode. We're going to be recalling stage four, week number three in this here 45th episode of the Let's Break It Down podcast. My name is Lemmings. I have with me a fantastic human being. His name is Jay Will. How are you doing, bro? Doing all right, buddy. Another busy week, as always. <laughs> Life keeps going. The wheels keep spinning. We just have to keep moving, but I'm excited to do another show. Recap some of what we saw this past week, which was a pretty pretty good week, honestly, from top to bottom all the way throughout. A lot of exciting matches, a lot of close matches. Uh, I wouldn't say anything too much of an upset, but there were a lot of good matchups throughout the week that were really cool to watch and uh, I'm excited to talk about. Yeah, a little bit of sanity has returned to the league, in my opinion, after after the crazy <laughs> week two that we got to talk about. Let's try that again. But let's break right on into it. Today is August the 13th, and we are covering stage four, week three, which kicked off on the 8th of August with a match of London and Vancouver. And if there was a match to watch, from my opinion, this is the one. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of fun in this in this match going on. Uh, London comes out absolutely swinging on the assault map to kick it off, uh, which was this is totally drawing a blank for me right now. Legion oh, Tower. I want to say that's accurate. Pause for the cause. Yeah, let us pause for the cause. I don't know why this is totally escaping me. I even wrote it down. <laughs> Who knows, man? Who knows? It's a long, like I said, it's a long week. Long week. It was um, a long week. Busan. That was the opening Busan. map. Busan. Yeah, that's right. This would kick off on Busan. And I remember now that it's Busan because Prophet's May was absolutely popping off on Busan, which was pretty much, you know, they were dominating Haxel. Stitch never really had an option to get going on the Reaper and everything else. But uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, Vancouver was going to be able to, to bring this back and bring it back to a 2-2. Uh, taking them in, or well, actually two one, taking them into Dorado, where London would completely fall apart and actually let Vancouver get almost all three points on a total overtime push, um, absolute fall apart on the defense, and then in map five, despite the fact that Vancouver tried to throw map two with a uh, pretty epic Charlie Niner stepping off on Lighthouse, uh, London would absolutely crumble on well ultimately giving Vancouver the match at 3-2. to two. Only map I even want to talk about is map 4, to be perfectly honest with you. I have no clue how London lost this match. It is baffling to me. They completed Dorado or Route 66. I'm going to do, do it every time that map comes up, I swear to God. I think I actually did it this time. Yeah, I think Both you did too. dollars honestly. in buckets right now. <laughs> but uh, Route 66, London completed it, no problem. You know, I don't remember what their time make was. It wasn't spectacular, but it wasn't awful either. And they have Vancouver dead to rights. They have an alt economy to stall out the cart, push them off the cart, let the overtime wick go down, and they fail to do so. And I don't know how. It makes no sense. It makes no logical sense. It's like they just completely crapped the bed, didn't know what they were doing, and just started pressing Q, you know, randomly at a certain <laughs> level. And we're like, okay, what do we do now? We press Q. This should be over, right? And then here comes Vancouver doing what they do best, winning fights that they should not be winning at all right I mean, you know, yeah you know, bumper come back on reinhardt for crying out loud because he's just more comfortable on that so he's like okay we need to win a fight let me play my best hero and go you know which if you watch he did that on multiple maps yes he did reinhardt. multiple maps so i don't know what happened on that defensive stand 
the overtime push in Time Bank was just absurd. It was classic Vancouver, but I mean, London fell apart after they failed the, to get the stop on their original defense. I, they probably were still reeling from that, but they should have won this match hands down. I'm baffled. That's all I can say. Well, that would take us into another banger, and this was going to be Philadelphia going up 2-0 on the Paris Eternal and then suffering from the reverse sweep. Paris taking all three of the final matches. Uh, really, honestly, the story here for me is that uh, Philadelphia just can't seal the deal right now in stage four. Um, you know, in the past, heavily reliant on Carpe, I think, to really put that foot foot down and, and really seal it, kind of come in clutch. One thing I did notice while I was watching the game, because there really wasn't a whole lot of changes between two uh, maps, one and two, and then into three, four, and five, whereas it's not like Paris put in a new player. Um, they were playing a little bit differently, putting a little bit more focus on Carpe. One thing to note for me was in map five, they did put Shadowburn on Farah, which forced, well, didn't force, but they chose to put Carpe then on McCree, which was a hero they really didn't look that great on. Uh, and ultimately, at the end of the day, would cost them the match three to two. I don't know what to say for Philly at this point. You have Carpe literally trying to carry this team on his back. Yeah. We'll talk about it more when we get to the Vancouver matchup, but I mean, Carpe is doing everything he can, and he's not getting enough support. I don't know what happened between, obviously, the end of last season and the start of this season, but it's almost like they felt like, okay, Carpe can carry us to the end, and that's not the case. You have an MVP-caliber talent. That's what can rise you to the top of the league. It cannot get you there on its own, though. It, this is like the ultimate team esport to me because it does require all six people to be on the same page and working right. together at a high level. But when you have MVP caliber talent, that's what can put you over the top consistently. That's what we've seen out of Vancouver. That's what we've seen out of San Francisco. We saw that out of Shanghai last stage. Not so much now, but last stage we saw it. Uh, we saw it out of New York periodically, obviously throughout season one, we saw it regularly. You know, those are the, the differences between like the best of the best and, you know, just the really, really, really good teams. But if you're just going to sit back and rely on Carpe to carry you, you know, into the playoffs and get you past, you might as well just enjoy your early play and round exit. I mean, they still have a chance to make the top six, but if you're asking me right now, they're going to be in the seventh or 12 range and they're just going to be an early round exit because they're relying on Carpe to do too much. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they actually started out really well with Genji, uh, EQO on Genji and Carpe on Sombra. Um, and then they started getting into the kind of the, the meta that's starting to be established, which is the Reaper May, Reaper Hanzo uh, type metas. And it just didn't seem to work well for them. But we can talk about another team that's relying on a player to carry them. And in this case, it's actually working. And that is going to be Toronto taking on Florida. And in this case, I'm referencing the man, the legend, the myth. <laughs> Saya player. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Florida coming in here. Uh, obviously, have t make, made a lot of, of changes um, coming into this coming into this match. Well, not coming into this match, coming into this this whole season. They've been making changes and everything else. But it looks like they've finally established that they want to just set Saya player free on Widowmaker. And it's working. <laughs> I'm not sure Toronto is a match that I'm going to take away a ton from. They ended up beating the Defiant 3-1. to one. I'm not going to claim that that was like Florida crushing some top-level opponent or something. But uh, just looking a lot better, you know, ultimately this is something that Florida did to us last year, being relatively, relatively, not relatively, 
unsuccessful throughout most of the season and then making a last second push it's obviously way too late for them to to get into anything but here's florida looking good three to one against the defiant one of the teams which there are several at this point that has really benefited from roll lock it's unleashed their their dps players i think switching to the all korean roster and kind of committing to it finally has really benefited them in the long run they were not ever going to be a 3-3 team but with you know the the big picture in view and understanding what was coming they put the right pieces together to be more useful within the game as it was going to be future state. So this is working out in their favor. Saya player has always been one of the top DPS players in the league, a phenomenal widow player. And he, he's finally getting to show that, that ability. And the team is, is more or less supporting around him. BQB is a really good compliment. I feel like as a DPS character and the addition of fate, you know uh, the rest of their roster showing up and playing uh, more cohesive uh, on the same page. You can see the game plan as it's you know unfolding. Whereas before, you were like, "What is their plan? Do they have a plan?" Yeah. Now you can see what their line of thinking is. You can see what they're trying to accomplish, the maneuvers they're attempting to make, and they're executing it a lot better. Again, not against the top quality opponent right here, but we've already seen them you know take down the London Spitfire this stage. So they they know that they can compete. It's just about being consistent with it now, and so. This is about giving hope future, and if they can continue to win matches coming down the stretch, they're going to give a lot of hope to, to their franchise coming into next season. Can't talk enough about the addition of Fade onto the Florida roster, mostly just because in the past Florida suffered from a tank line that would kind of just crumble. They really haven't had good tank play for a long time, and Fate, you know, for whatever your opinion of Fate is, up, down, left, right, or indifferent, he's a massive improvement over what they've had before, which finally gives their DPS players the ability to have a little bit of space to work with, which, like you said, has kind of opened them up. So good on Florida for making the changes they need and, and starting to build something. And, and hopefully what this leads to is a Florida that doesn't have to completely clean house again, start over all again with new chemistry and everything else. Hopefully they can keep a core of players around here, hopefully try to build some more, pull in some more talent from the Overwatch Contenders Leagues and come into the next season looking a little bit stronger. But let's talk about a team that is making a scary good push into the playoffs, and that's going to be the Guangzhou Charge taking on the Seoul Dynasty. This one was going to go the distance. It's a great late night matchup. If you didn't get a chance to see it, it's definitely one for the books. Go check it out, but it's going to be the Guangzhou Charge taking down the Seoul Dynasty 3-2, to two. and now you're kind of looking at this and going, is Guangzhou potentially this year's Philly? Um, if I'm other, <laughs> other teams in this league, I'm starting to get a little scared. A team that was strong in Stage 1, uh, middling to terrible in Stage 2 and 3, but is now making this push in stage four, looking absolutely scary. They have a chance to make the seasonal playoffs. They, even though they were losing their matches, kept their map differential in a good spot. It's improving. And so here we are looking at the Guangzhou charge, making, a, like I said, just a scary good push into the seasonal playoffs. And it, from my perspective, starting to challenge these teams that have been locked playoff contenders. So let's be clear about this. Seoul, still a really good quality team, right? They went up 2-0 right. in Guangzhou. They had kind of Guangzhou up against the ropes. They full held the Mahanamura. It, they looked really good. This match looked more or less over going into halftime as you were just watching through two maps. Come back out after halftime, Guangzhou looks like a different team finally. They, you know, Nero, happy start playing a little better. They get the tank line, support lines working in tandem. And they come out and they 
they put it to Seoul. And this has got to be one of the top six, seven teams in the league right now, as it currently stands. I know what their record is from, from prior stages. Yeah. But this is one team, if you're asking me, and I think you're on the same page as I am and many other people, I don't want to see this team in the playoffs. If I'm any of the top six, I'm praying to God they get knocked out of the play-in somehow. Like, I don't want them in that finishing top eight to where we have to go double elim against this team. I, I would put them up against basically anyone, and I would say it's it's game on. Yeah, I don't absolutely. think anybody's going to run them over. I would probably still pick San Francisco, Vancouver over them for a, from a sheer chemistry team standpoint. They've proven all season that they can play in any meta, you know, and be fine. Mm-hmm. But I'm not looking at it going, oh, yeah, that's a Vancouver win. Oh, yeah, that's a San Francisco win. I'm saying, well, I'm picking San Francisco, but if they let happy roam free, it could be a long day. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So Guangzhou, dangerous. I wouldn't want to play them. I don't think anybody currently does. It, I think they're pretty much a lock to get in as long as they don't let their foot off the gas right now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, absolutely scary team coming into the playoffs. Well, let's talk about two teams that either aren't going to be in the playoffs or aren't scary at all. And that's going to be the Boston Uprising taking on the Washington Justice to kick off Friday and this is a tale of of two teams that have completely reversed their fortunes in stage four unfortunately entirely too late for the washington justice to do anything uh as there won't be a stage playoff and they're mathematically eliminated from the seasonal playoff um but this is a a boston uprising team that i'm just going to be honest kind of looks like a wet noodle and roll call (laughs) and roll cue not roll call um just uh, we've talked about this at length before i don't think we need to keep diving into it they ditched all their dps they don't have somebody to come in and play dps for them they picked up a tank that was great for 3-3 but he's struggling in a roll queue system where he doesn't have the full support and this is a washington justice team that has handed over the reins in my opinion to a dominant Corey, and is looking really good for it and they actually have some some players that are starting to emerge that are I mean, Guido, um, you know, they bring over Sleeping and Arc. They've actually been playing Guido in support, and it's been working. Um, Stratus has started to emerge as a as a secondary DPS that people need to be at least a little bit scared of, which, again, allows Corey to operate at will. And so this is a Washington Justice team that I think is finding out they have a core of players that's really good, and they may just need to fill in some spots next year to come in looking pretty strong. Yeah, I'd say, if anything, Washington maybe beef up the tank line a little bit. I don't know if they want to make a move there or not. But everything else seems to be working the way it's supposed to, especially Corey and Stratus. Uh, I think Stratus is a star in the making. Obviously a fan favorite because he just, he the way he carries himself, he's funny, he's charismatic, you know, he doesn't care what you think. He's going to walk out with his sunglasses. He's going to make funny faces at the camera. Yeah. And those are the things that are endearing to any viewer, whether you're a Washington fan or not. But when you start watching his gameplay, he has moments where he's just absolutely lighting teams up. And if you have to watch out for Stratus on Farah, Doomfist, whatever he decides to play at the specific moment, you know, I know a lot of people are playing Reaper May, but he can do them all pretty well. Right. Then Corey just does what he wants. You know, Corey can sit back and snipe. Corey can play the Hanzo and just break shields and rip your face off. I mean, he just does whatever he wants at that point. And you're just left scratching your head. Like, where do we go for answers right now? Especially if you're Boston, who has nobody to match up with either of them. You know, Color Hex just isn't the answer. They started Blase on tank this week. Like, they're, in a, they're a roster that's in flux. I wouldn't be surprised to see this be one of the teams that has massive turnover at the end of the season. 
So yeah. I feel bad for Washington because they're not going to get a stage playoffs because they're they're five and zero right now. They have a chance to go perfect, and it would be fun to see them in a stage playoff. I believe, but it's just too unfortunate it came a stage too late. Absolutely. Let's talk about another another two teams with some different storylines going on, and that's going to be the Dallas Fuel taking on the Los Angeles Gladiators. This was scary if you're a Gladiators fan. Dallas going up 2-0, showing some signs of life finally after a dismal Stage 3 and not much improvement in Stage 4. And coming into Map 3, you know, looking like they, they had a really good chance to, to take this one down. But this was actually going to be the Los Angeles Gladiators pulling off another reverse sweep. In this case, uh, I'm sorry, Los Angeles Big Geese. <laughs> Apologies to the, to the Big Geese, I'm sorry. This would be the Los Angeles Big Geese taking the reverse sweep and taking down the Dallas Fuel three to two. Um, you know, from my pers- from my perspective, really honestly, just a Los Angeles Gladiators trips or or not playing as well in the first two maps. Uh, for some reason, there are teams that are really good at, on assault maps, and there are teams that are not really good at all on assault maps. And there doesn't seem to be real any real gray area there. You you either know how to take a control point and hold it, or you don't know how to take a control point and hold it. And uh, some teams are really good. I've seen we've seen a couple teams. Um, who was I thinking of the other day? Well, I can't remember the team name, but there are teams that are really great at stalling and getting to that 80, 82, 85 number in their first hold of the point, um, and then they just need one more team fight to win it, which seems to be a really good strategy on these maps. But, uh, you know, I felt like this was the Gladiators not playing up to their standards in the first two maps, not necessarily Dallas playing better. Yeah, I completely agree, actually. You were watching those first two maps going, what in the world is LA doing? It wasn't like Dallas was like, oh, wow, this is a markedly improved team. You know, they yeah, they're playing AKM over time. Ooh, cool. But it wasn't anything where it's like, oh, yeah, they're definitely, you know, popping off on people. They're having a phenomenal game. You're just scratching your head going, what in the world is L.A. doing? Why are they messing with this team? Why are they giving them hope, basically? So I actually thought they were going to end up losing this one, even though, you know, they did manage the the reverse sweep, you know, coming out into map three. I was like, I I just don't know if they're if they're going to find a way to turn this flip the switch and play the way we know that they can. Right. Uh, luckily, they did because this would have would have hurt them overall. I know they're locked into the top six, but you, you know every map matters, right? Every match matters. For sure. You want to try to posture yourself in the standings appropriately. You definitely don't want to be, in my opinion, at least that five or six seed. I just I don't think that's a good spot for anybody, and that's what this would have meant for them. They would have been in that kind of situation, especially with their remaining schedule. So, thank God they found themselves at halftime because that was not that was a tale of two different teams basically yeah absolutely then moving on into the next matchup we have the san francisco shock taking down the shanghai dragons three to one and i have a couple of, of big thoughts here um, first of all there's a pretty good chance that the shanghai dragons are suffering a little bit of that success uh the post-success lapse <laughs> You know, so like we saw San Francisco go through the golden stage and then they come out against Houston, have a big trip up in what was that stage three? Yeah. Um, you know, it's the same thing with Shanghai Dragons. So they had like probably the best stage of their of their team's history in stage three. And here they are coming out in stage four and they look like they're struggling. And one of the reasons that I think that they're struggling personally is that in stage three, they found a composition 
that while everyone else was in compositional transition, so everyone was kind of figuring out, okay, does 3-3 work anymore? Does it still work for us? Does it not work for us? The Shanghai Dragons found something that busted 3-3 and worked really well for them, and I think we're catching teams off guard. Now that teams are forced to play DPS and have practiced the DPS and know what's coming from the Shanghai Dragons, and they're not attempting to run 3-3s anymore or still in transition for 3-3s, that Shanghai Dragons, the Shanghai Dragons are being challenged. The DPS duos of Ding and DM are still looking really strong, and they look pretty good. The problem is, at this point, the other teams are also looking strong in their DPS compositions, and it's throwing the Shanghai Dragons for a loop, and that's why we're seeing this this kind of stage four. I don't want to call it a collapse. I mean, it's not a total collapse here, but... Um, they're certainly kind of working their way out of the out of the the top. Were they ever even in the top six? I don't remember, um, but they should be firmly kind of moving on down into that play-in tournament, which is pretty scary if I'm the Shanghai Dragons and I'm looking the way I'm looking right now. So yeah, they're going the wrong direction with regards to their season playoff standings. Um, they're still in an okay spot. Thirteen and twelve is not killing them. They still have a, a slight chance of falling into the top six. And I say falling because they're going the wrong direction right now. <laughs> um, they have to back their way in, in my opinion. I'm not sure they're going to win their way in. Yeah. So uh, they're okay. I don't think they have too much to worry about. Luckily, the teams that are outside the top 12 currently have lost plenty of matches. Um, realistically, Shanghai only needs to win, I think, one more basically to put them in the Valiant basically as their only competition, but I don't think the Valiant make it out of the stage without at least one more loss. I really don't think the Dragons have too much to worry about in terms of the play-in, but they certainly took themselves out of a really good opportunity to make the top six. They were in a really great spot coming out of stage three, and unfortunately it just hasn't worked out for them this stage. I think they actually do miss having that triple DPS lineup on on their stage and playing yeah. together. You know, they found something really cool with that, and it was something where Youngjin could flex into other roles. Do we want to have him play DPS, or do you just want to go play Hog? What do you want to do? Right. You know, what works best for us here? And they can't do that anymore. They have to go back to playing Envy or Gregory, whatever it may be. And it just, for whatever reason, it's just not not meshing quite as well as that triple DPS lineup they were running out there was. So it's unfortunate they still have two of the best DPS players in the game, I don't think they're using DM quite as much as they probably should. You're seeing a lot more Youngjin uh, playing alongside of Ding, and I really think they should just go back to Ding and DM and see what they can manufacture with that for the time being. But yeah, I would put Ding and DM in on DPS. I'd actually put in Youngjin at, at off tank, maybe just ask him to pick up some D.Va here and there, but his Roadhog is pretty strong, and I'd like to see that line up in there and see if it makes a difference. Right. Well, let's talk about a scary moment for another one of our upper teams, and that's going to be the Hangzhou Spark taking on the New York Excelsior. And the New York Excelsior would need five maps to seal the deal here. And this is a team last week when we were able to put, uh, when we were able to cast together and we were in the cage, we had a discussion because we were talking about the New York Excelsior. And I kind of asked you, I said, what reason have they given you? to have that faith in the New York Excelsior in stage four. And certainly in past stages, it's something where it's, you know, you don't vote against the New York, New York Excelsior. And by and large, they didn't let you down. But here in stage four, I think it's a completely different story. And we're looking at a very vulnerable New York Excelsior, especially because this is a Hangzhou spark that has also been struggling here in stage four, has not been able to find success, even though they do have a really strong roster. 
and New York Excelsior kind of barely able to edge them out. Yeah, so New York, not giving anybody much faith, honestly, to stick with them as one of the more dominant teams. I think they got some help here because Hangzhou has not looked great in stage four. They still look to be finding their own. They're still missing Crystal. Who knows what's going on with that anymore? Um, but they found a way to win this one. Important, you know, just I know that they've got the division locked up, so they're not worried about their top two standing, but they just need to find their footing. They need to have some sort of consistency coming out of stage four going into the playoffs, which was something they didn't have last year. And it's kind of getting a little scary in that regard. You're, you're starting to see a lot of similarities between what happened last year and, and how they're playing right now as to, you know, their expected outcome for the season playoffs. And I know a lot of people are down on them. I think you are. I, I'm right behind you in being a little down on them. I don't know how far they can actually go in the playoffs. They should be thankful that the Atlantic division has been pretty bad this year. Because I'm not sure that they're even locked into a top six seed if they're playing in the in the Pacific Division, to be perfectly honest. So they, they need to find some answers, and they need to find them quickly. And we're going to discuss that more after we get through Sunday. But they they certainly need need some answer and quickly if they want to make sure that they have some momentum going into the season playoffs this year as opposed to what they had last year. And that would take us on to Saturday the 10th, which would kick off again with the Houston Outlaws taking on the London Spitfire. And the only reason that London didn't take this 4-0 is because London doesn't take matches 4-0. They only do 3-1. The story for this is, is I think, pretty obvious for anyone who was watching. Uh, Jake bowed out from this game for personal reasons, and he asked the team to put in Linkser. Uh, there has been no clarification as to what that reasoning is, why Jake was not able to play or did not want to play. And uh, Lynx are just not as strong, certainly doesn't have the, the broad uh, hero pool that Jake has. So doesn't really have the ability to flex over, doesn't look good on the Reaper. At this point, I wish they, I mean, he had looked dominant a couple of times in the last stage on Soldier 76. I wish they'd at least try that out at this point because it doesn't look good on the Reaper. Um, they're constantly pushing Dante back and forth between May and heroes that he probably should be playing, which is like Sombra and Tracer. Um, it just doesn't look good. But, you know, I think Jake, frankly, for me, I mean, it's the story of Linkser is not the counter sniper that he used to be. He's not the dominant Widowmaker that he used to be. He doesn't have the flexibility that Jake has. And therefore, it leaves Houston in a hole when it comes to picking and counter picking and what you can do with the roster that's out. I don't really know what to say too much about Houston anymore. The big story coming out of this is basically Jake's situation. We don't know what's going on with that. We hope everything's all right. We'd love to see him back on stage. Not sure we're going to this season, unfortunately. But you said it. I mean, Linkser just doesn't have the hero pool. It's not like London played spectacularly well. Uh, They're still one of the better 2-2-2 teams. They're still in a good spot for the postseason. I still have high hopes for them in the seasonal playoffs. Nothing about this match changed my perspective on them. But at the end of the day, Houston just, it almost looked like they didn't know what they were going to do coming into the match. It, it's that scattered, that discombobulated. You have people panicking and pressing Q. I mean, I'm tired of actually seeing poor Dante have to be forced to do different things because you can tell he's like, I just want to do these other things, which we can be good at if you just let me do it. <laughs> but he's trying to help the team fit into the meta. And he's, he's you know... Basically, he's taking one for the team there and saying, this is what the team needs right now, so I'll do it. And I'm not going to take a shot at Linkser. Linkser had to step in. I'm sure the team was probably prepared to play Jake instead of Linkser. 
But when your teammate says, I need you to play and you step up and you do the best of your abilities, you're good. Your best, unfortunately, on the heroes that are being run frequently right now is just not good enough. He needs to do some real soul searching this off season to decide, do I want to have a deeper hero pool or do I want to be a sniper specialist? Like that's just kind of where he's at with it. In my opinion, uh, I would personally love to see him get back to his Widowmaker play and pick up a few extra heroes so he can be more flexible when the team calls upon him and when they want him for specific maps. But right now it's just not working. It's not going to work. Um, I think they're just counting down the days till the season ends right now. Absolutely. And let's talk about another team that's counting down the days until the season is over. And that's going to be the Toronto Defiant. And they took on the Seoul Dynasty. And it was a pretty interesting matchup. They would get be able to pull off a draw in one of the maps. And so therefore the Seoul Dynasty were going to be able to take it two to one. Um, I think a little bit more telling for, for the Seoul Dynasty. I mean, this is a team in stage four that's just kind of been up and down. And it's actually really hard to get a good gauge on where we think they truly are in terms of the overall power rankings. I, usually when I get to Seoul Dynasty and I'm looking at the power ranks, that's where I'm starting to trip up and say, I mean, are they that strong team that belongs up there? um in these playoffs or are this are they this team that finds ways to trip up against from my opinion suboptimal uh matchups uh you know a little bit of success that we're starting to see from toronto defiant you know hoping that they realize that they've at least on some level found a dps core that they can build a little bit around um the 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 three big time canadian players you know Bankachu, gods and logics are doing well for them and I think it's about finding a support core that works for them and potentially an off tank to help create that space and keep those guys operational and alive. It's not much to say about this. I, if you ask me, the two biggest things missing are what? Think about it. Two most recent departures. Yeah, Fisher and Bunchkin. Like, if you ask me, that's their biggest problem. Like, it's, it's all I have for Seoul, honestly. I think that roster is trying to figure out who they are without those two guys. And... Fisher is somebody they could probably really use right now. He he played really well within what wasn't a roll lock in season one, but what was roll lock in season one, just voluntary. Um, you know, and he's one of the better tank players just as an individual mechanical skill player. And he's just up and gone, you know, and then Munchkin's out. So now you're asking Fleta to do a little more. And he's more of a Genji Farah specialist. And he's shown that he's he doesn't have enough, in my opinion, to compete with some of these other DPS players, at least within season two uh, of Overwatch. So that's where I'm at with Seoul. Uh, Toronto still, it's it, you might as well be playing with a roster that's you know played half a season together, yeah. <laughs> which is basically what it is. That's what they are, yeah. yeah. And that's what they look like. So it's not a surprise to see them struggle and have some good maps here and there. They definitely have potential. I actually really like their combo of Logics and Mengachu. They got to do something more with that tank line, though. And I think they can get a little better on the support line as well. I do like their support pieces better than their current tank line, but they, they've got to make a couple roster moves in the offseason if they want to step it up a, another notch and be more competitive all season next year. Another competitive matchup followed that one, and that was going to be the Florida Mayhem taking on the Los Angeles Valiant. And this was a good opportunity for Florida to show that they could start to ball with some of the upper teams. And ball they did, they weren't able to take the match, but they did take one off of the Valiant and draw one for a 2-1 Valiant victory. And so this is, I mean, from my perspective, Florida continuing to improve, continuing to show improvement. 
did anybody think that they were going to take down the Los Angeles Valiant? I don't think so. I don't know that many people called that. But certainly looked competitive, took the maps off of them against the Los Angeles Valiant team that I consider to be pretty strong. And, you know, so, again, I mean, a lot of improvement there. If you're Los Angeles Valiant, you know, maybe you didn't take this opponent quite as seriously as maybe you should have. But ultimately, you sneak out with the win. Not a win that's going to help your map differential realistically, but uh, a win nonetheless. And at this point, that's what you're really looking for. Yeah, the Valiant keep their slim playoff hopes alive. Uh, It was actually a really, really close matchup throughout. I was very impressed with the way Florida played yet again. They're they're just improving week by week, game by game right now. And they're giving their fans and obviously us a lot to look forward to with next season. Um, The Valiant, on the other hand, I thought they'd be a little better this stage than they have played thus far. I know they've won. And I know they they still have a chance at the playoffs, but I just I thought they would take their game to just another level with the DPS players that they did have and Rollock being there and the way they looked coming down the stretch in stage three. I just I felt that they would be one of the teams that would be challenging, not just within that plan because that was realistically where they could finish because of their poor stage one, but that they could get out of that plan as well and challenge some of those top tier teams for an you know an actual you know playoff win once we get out of the plans i right want to play words there obviously but you know just i felt they would take that game their game to that level and they have not done that and i'm a little concerned for them i don't actually think they're going to find their way into the playoffs or the play-in um which is unfortunate but if if they don't they really they really need to look at themselves and say where did we go wrong here in stage four because they had everything right in front of them even with the the homestand coming up and a couple of tough matchups then but i just I don't know what's quote unquote wrong with them right now. It just hasn't looked like what you would expect from a team with Shaq's, you know, agilities. It just, it just isn't there for right now for whatever reason. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, the teams that they're losing to here in stage four really haven't been, you know, what I would say are top tier teams, uh, Paris right out of the gate that they're beating. Uh, they had a match against Florida. Um, so they're, they're not really playing top-tier teams. They have a pretty easy matchup coming up in the Boston Uprising, but the problem is they're going to be playing for their playoff lives in their in their own homestand, and it's going to be against the Los Angeles Gladiators and then the San Francisco Shock, uh, which is not a lineup that I want to see when I'm talking about needing every single map match and everything else heading into this to try to make that playoff. Yep. Moving on, we were going to be seeing this Chengdu. I'm going to do that until the end of these days, man. The Chengdu Hunters taking on the Hangzhou Spark. And finally, a spark of life from the Hangzhou Spark coming in, taking the match three to one. A Chengdu roster that just can't seem to find its way, um, which is really odd. I mean, for a team that that wanted desperately to not play three three, to be forced into uh, not playing three three, they I felt like this was a team that would actually benefit and continue to rise from a rollock. And from my perspective, I think they've kind of started to fall off, not being able to take the matches that I really think they should be taking, not locking in consistent rosters, uh, switching people around on on role in terms of playing who what they're playing. I just, it's not the Chengdu that I thought we were going to see in 2-2-2. Um, you know, and, can, you know, good on the Hangzhou Spark to get another match, get another victory, keep those playoff hopes alive, and hopefully limp it out to the end uh, where they, 
I, maybe we'll be able to resolve whatever they need to resolve with Crystal. I don't know what's going on there. They clearly need another DPS player, um, but good on them to get the, get another win and hopefully keep their their playoff hopes alive. This was a very, very important win for the Hangzhou Spark. Uh, it's a very important match for both of them, really, because Chengdu is the team most vulnerable falling out of the top 12. They're sitting at 12 and 14. You know, the Valiant are only a half game back, and the Valiant also have a better map differential. So we'll see how that pans out for Chengdu. But point being, Hangzhou Spark were a team that were looking at falling out of the top six rapid, rapidly. I mean, they were descending. They were at one yeah. point, I think, third or fourth. No, they were never third. Never mind. San Francisco's there. They were fourth, and they were more or less comfortably fourth at a certain level. Mm-hmm. If they were just kept their level of play from stage three, I understand, you know, the meta shifted and whatnot. But they had lost several in a row here, and they were only, you know, going into the weekend, they were only like a game up on Shanghai, Seoul. I mean, there were a bunch of teams, even Philly, they were only a game up on because Philly up until this past week only had 11 losses. So the Spark were, you know, sweating like, hey, we got to find a way to get a win here. We have to do something that way we can stabilize ourselves and make sure we don't fall into that plan. Because if they fall into that plan, I don't think they make it out with the way they're playing right now. Yeah, they need they need a little break to get themselves back together and figure out what they're going to be during the season playoffs. So very important win for them. They did look better. Who knows what to make of Chengdu, the most inconsistent team in the league, even though they have some of the most exciting gameplay. They do whatever the heck they want. They don't like playing within meta. They just they do what fit, suits them best. But for whatever reason, their level of play just fluctuates so enormously from match to match that it's a little frustrating, honestly, because I think they really could be a team that fell into that 7-8-9 range easily if they were just more consistent. That match closed out Saturday, which takes us into Sunday the 11th, kicking off with the game of the week. This was a pretty weak game of the week, and that's going to be the Vancouver Titans taking on the Philadelphia Floppers. <laughs> uh, the Philadelphia Fusion, but Vancouver was going to be walking all over the Philadelphia Fusion at four to zero. And this is this is just what we're this is the stage for Philadelphia Fusion. I really just think when they come when they clash into one of these upper level teams, it's just going to be a raffle stomp. They're competitive with the middle range teams and they can beat some of the low range teams they belong in the middle that's where they live right now um it kind of stinks because this is that this was a really good chance for them to try and continue to bolster their their showing for the playoffs uh they weren't able to do that and so that means that they're going to be playing for their playoff lives against the Seoul dynasty in the next week um which is not a matchup I like for Philadelphia. So I don't know that we're going to see Philadelphia even in the playoffs this year. I don't know how at risk they are. It's going to take the the Valiant, honestly, <laughs> winning three matches in a row for them to fall out and the Hunters winning two in a row coming down the stretch here. So I'm not overly concerned about them because if they finish 14 and 14, even at minus nine, I just I, I don't know that the Hunters are going to do any better than 14 or they can't do better than 14 and 14, excuse me, but I don't know that they're going to do better than 13 and 15 right now. Uh, And the Valiant have two of the most difficult games left this season. So I'm not overly worried about them making the play-in, but if you ask me who, you know, who makes it out of the play-in, just whoever Phillies gets in the first round, I'm assuming is going to beat them right now. That's just the level that Philly is playing at, unfortunately. 
And it's sad because this was the match where Carpe tried to do everything he could. I mean, there was one map. I'm not, I can't tell you specifically which one it was, but he at one point was 40% of his team's damage. Yeah. 40%. Let's think about that. There are six people out there playing, right? 40%. (laughs) I understand he's on a DPS hero. His percentage should be higher than everybody else, but you're talking about doing four tenths of your team's damage. And there is a second DPS player. Oh, by the way. You, you know, like, <laughs> right, right. What, what are we doing here, guys? Like, he can only flex with so much on everybody. Team game. Like, I've said it before. I'll say it again. It's a team game. If you have to have six people, it's just the way the game works. Your MVP caliber talent puts you over the top, but the, all six have to be on the same page. And right now they're not. And it's unfortunate because they're wasting Carpe, basically. Like, yeah, if I'm Carpe, like I'm asking to get traded at the end of the year because I can't carry this team any further than we we've gone this year. I, I mean, they reached this, the finals last year. Sure. There were only 12 teams in the league last year, though. You expanded the teams and look where we fall again. You know, yeah. it just kind of is what it is. So we'll see what actually happens with them. Maybe they get the ship righted. Maybe a switch flips for them and they're like playoff Philly returns. Who knows? I doubt it. But you never know. Things always change. I mean, the game's going to change again going to the season playoffs, so we'll see. But this was a laughing stock. I mean, I don't even know that Vancouver tried, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> the next matchup is going to be the Washington Justice taking down the Houston Outlaws 3-2. to two. Uh, Pretty much all but ceiling. I don't, I don't know if they're mathematically eliminated. Maybe you can confirm that for me. I don't think they have enough games left to even get in. I, I'm pretty sure they are. So the Houston Outlaws are done. Even if they're not mathematically, from my perspective, they're done. <laughs> um, and Washington Justice just continuing to show that they're going to be dominant in the role queue. Yeah, they, they've been out since they lost to London on Saturday. That was the official mathematically eliminated. But, I mean, they were done before that. They had like yeah. a 1.6% chance coming into this week of finding a way into the playoffs. They they needed a lot of things to go their way, but namely they had to win. <laughs> so, they're mathematically out. I'm going to give credit where credit is due, though. Houston looked a lot lot more relaxed. I think not having the pressure of still having a chance to make the playoffs actually made a difference. No Jake again. But you could tell by the way they played and handled themselves that they were just having a little more fun. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Like, let them play the heroes that they're good at. Because A, nine times out of ten, it is more fun. And when it's more fun for them usually they're just going to play better in general. And you you saw it throughout this entire match, even though even though they lost, even though they, they gave away a, another winnable match, honestly, they just for whatever reason can't seal the deal. Map four, they probably should have held the justice and not given up the third point. You know, they just, they can't find a way to get over that hump. And that's been the case all season. They've definitely got to rectify that in the off season. But at the end of the day, they had more fun. They played competitive. It was more fun to watch. And this was actually one of the better matchups of the week. I know it was two teams out of the playoffs, but Corey Stratus, sure. Dante Linkser, Muma, Giannis. I mean, it was just a fun back and forth match. You could tell everybody was having a good time. And that's what it's supposed to be. At the end of the day, we do have to remember that they're all just playing a game. Yes, there's a lot of pressure on them. And a lot of them put that pressure on themselves. But I think if they can step back for a second and remember and keep perspective on we're playing a game that we enjoy, that we love, that we're passionate about. And yes, we're competitive and we want to win, but if they can keep that mentality and that perspective, I think you'll see a lot of teams perform better. 
I think that may be something that's missing from quite a few teams, honestly, is that they're just putting too much pressure on themselves, not having a good time, even when they aren't winning. They've got to find the joy in the game consistently. And I think results will will start to show, you know, that level of enjoyment for everybody if it if it comes to fruition. But it takes everybody to get on that same page and looking within themselves and understanding what, what is that serious and what isn't. I know you and I get mad at video games all the time, but you know, when you can sit back and say, Hey, I'm playing a video game, you know, it's okay. Usually the next time you play, it's usually a little better for you. If that matchup was competitive, the following matchup would not be, and this would be the San Francisco shock walking all over the Dallas fuel at four to zero. From my perspective, again, just San Francisco always finds a way to be successful, it seems like, this year. And the Dallas Fuel are a team that are on the outs, can't find a roster, can't find a lineup that works well for them, and put it uh, put it all together and actually make some progress here. Uh, San Francisco Shock and another one just solidifying. Actually, at this point, really just kind of tightening up that race a little bit for the top spot on the Pacific Division um even though i guess you know vancouver forward philadelphia so they're they're definitely keeping pace yeah vancouver actually locked up the division with that win over philly uh because san francisco just doesn't have enough games left to catch them uh which is unfortunate because that would have been a really cool final weekend if they had been within like a game or two of each other but you Mm -hmm. know it is what it is yeah not not mad about it Uh, san francisco Locked into the top six, also locked into the top three. So the top three teams are just kind of sitting there just waiting for the playoffs at this point. But San Francisco keeps pulling out cards, man. I mean, you looked at them in the 3-3 and you were like, these guys are really good at that. And, you know, they had their consistent six. They ran that six and that was it. And then you get to the end of stage three and you get to the the grand finals of stage three. And you're sitting there looking at, you know, super architect and striker come in. And you're like, wait, what the heck's going on right now? You know, just... (laughs) A reminder, oh, by the way, we have these guys. And not only did they come in after not playing all season, they looked good on that opening map, even though they dropped it. But people forgot about them. And I think that's part of the more or less surprise that team people still have watching San Francisco play this stage is that they had all the pieces to play within any meta. Like, it's crazy. They have their two MVP candidates sitting the bench right now. Right. Mantra came in for map two. That was it. Super came in for map four after the match was locked up. Those are their two MVP candidates, and you're telling me they're not even playing right now, and that's mainly because of the meta. They have right. better people to fit into the meta, but that's that's the beauty of what they built with this roster. We talked about the strength that they had at DPS, and it's continuing to pay dividends for them. So this is, in my opinion, the team that probably is going to be favored come the season playoffs. I, I know that they have another matchup with Vancouver, so let's. I guess we'll wait till the end of Stage Four here to really say which of those teams is going to be favored come the season playoffs. But it wouldn't surprise me in the least to see them both back in a grand final. It really wouldn't. Well, let's talk about some teams that they might be favored over, and that's going to be the Guangzhou Charge and the New York Excelsior. And this was the map that certainly sealed the deal for both of the storylines for these teams, in my perspective, and that is. Uh, a New York Excelsior that doesn't look as strong as we thought they should in a 2-2-2 roll lock and an absolutely scary Guangzhou charge coming into these final playoffs because this would be the Guangzhou charge taking down the New York Excelsior 4-0. to zero. And, I mean, this was the storyline we talked about for both of these teams in their early matchups, which is a Guangzhou charge that I do not want to see in the playoffs. 
Um, certainly down in that play-in tournament. I mean, the, the play-in tournament being largely locked in at this point with, you know, maybe some shifts within it. But, you know, like we said, the Valley kind of sitting on the outside have to win three to even get in. And I'm looking at that field in there. And frankly, right now, kind of looking at Atlanta and Guangzhou Charge coming out of the play-in tournament. Um, with question marks on Seoul, Shanghai, Philadelphia, and Chengdu, uh, you know, that's kind of where I see that playing tournament going, which means we're probably going to see a uh, the Guangzhou charge in the, the seasonal, the final seasonal playoffs, the grand playoffs. And, and, you know, if I'm Los Angeles, if I'm the Los Angeles Big Geese, if I'm the Hangzhou Spark, frankly, if I'm the London Spitfire at this point in time, I'm pretty darn scared. And now if you're the New York Excelsior, I'm pretty darn scared of the Guangzhou charge coming into my playoff and and ruining things for me. So, um, and then from my perspective, again, you know, what has New York Excelsior shown you in stage four to prove that they exist in a, in a good place in the roll lock? Um, They haven't shown you anything. And in this case, they're actually showing you the opposite that they're not in a good place in 222 they don't have a lineup that is working well in all situations and that there are teams that are going to be able to come in and knock them out of this playoff i'm gonna play slight devil's advocate here because i'm actually with you on new york i'm really actually very concerned about them but i'm gonna play a little devil's advocate right now they they mentioned the the casters you know went and talked to the coaches of new york excelsior either before at halftime whatever it may have been and the coaches have actually admitted that New York, basically, they don't care anymore. They're focused on the season playoffs right now. But my thing is, if you're focused on the season playoffs, wouldn't you want to be playing well going into them? Meaning you've got some strategies that are you're you know, experimenting with. Sure, so some may look bad, but you also want to find some answers about what you want to run from the season playoffs. I'm sure they're practicing plenty on the PTR because Sigma will be in the season playoffs. But you don't want to be regressing, which is more or less what they've looked like lately. And fine and dandy. You want to, you know, prepare for the season playoffs by by all means. That is your prerogative. You likely were never going to catch Vancouver for the number one overall seed. You locked up the Atlantic Division early on in Stage Four, so you didn't really care after this because there's no stage playoffs to worry about. So what does winning these matches mean for you at this point? It actually means nothing. So great, that's fine. I actually don't really have a problem with that, but I do have a problem with the way you're playing. To quantify this 4-0 again, they picked up one point in four maps, and that one point was a, a CP. So, you know, they managed to get one round of Lijiang Tower, and that was it. Yeah. They didn't cap anything on Anubis. They didn't cap anything on Blizzard World. They capped nothing on Route 66. And it wasn't that you didn't cap anything. It's that you looked bad and not capping it. It had been one thing if Guangzhou had played out of their mind. Guangzhou, you know, marketably better. But it's not like they just, you know, stepped on your throat the whole time and said, no, you're not going to go anywhere. Like New York made ample mistakes to allow Guangzhou to win the way they did. So I'm concerned for New York. Like I said, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate. They don't care about these matches right now. That has me personally concerned because that's how they looked when they were going into the season playoffs last year. But if they can find any sort of rhythm coming out of stage four, then I will feel a little better about their season playoff you know, trajectory. Yeah, I personally don't like that at all. Um, I mean, we talk about it in certainly in football all the time, how hard it is to put your foot back on the gas once you've taken it off. Absolutely. Um, And, you know, like we said, I mean, this should be their moment. This should be their time to be, I mean, 
what better way to, I mean, quote unquote practice, I guess, than on the stage and, you know, with opponents that actually matter. Um, I, I, I don't like that. I mean, you can claim that and that's great and everything, but I don't, I don't, I don't buy that for a second. And frankly, if that's been your approach to the game, um, you know, coming into the playoffs, uh, it hasn't worked for you, you know, <laughs> uh, note to self, you've been knocked out of pretty much any, every stage playoff that you've been involved in, in some cases in the first round in most of these. And certainly that was their story. Um, you know, if, if, you know, take a look at last year, last season, season one, you know, they obviously, you know, didn't need to care at the end, at the end, had every chance to drop as many matches as they want, came into the grand plan, grand final or grand pl- final seasonal playoffs and got knocked out in the first round. So if if that's your strategy to claim that you don't care coming into the playoffs and that you're just preparing for the playoffs, then it hasn't worked for you in the past. I don't know why you would think it all of a sudden would now. And I, I, I don't like it at all. And if I'm a New York Excelsior fan and my coach says that, then I'm super ridiculously concerned <laughs> about our chances in the playoffs. Cause first of all, I mean, there's really no preparing that you can do right now. Um, I mean, obviously the seeds are kind of pretty getting pretty close to locked in, but the problem is you're up at the two spot, which means the seven eight spot is in question, in high question right now. Um, so you know, I, I don't know. That's that's silly. You, you don't know who you're going to be playing, so how could you be preparing for the playoffs? The only way to prepare for the playoffs right now is to play competitively in the matches that you have now and find something that works in two two two. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, like I said, I'm just playing a slight devil's advocate. I'm with you. I would rather them be playing better, winning matches, at the very least being competitive for crying out loud. Yeah. Uh, and like, like I even said, if they're trying different things, like if they're actually using these as like, you know, staged scrimmages, essentially, like, you know, competitive scrimmages, whatever you want to call them. They should be attempting to do some different strats, which I don't see them really attempting to do anything crazy. A. But if they are and it doesn't work, fine, trash it and move on to something else. You right. know, like I, I'm not seeing any sort of differentiation in map to map right now that makes me believe that they're just using this as practice time. It honestly looks like they're out there just wasting time trying to get through this. And that's yeah. what's more concerning. OK to use this to prepare for the playoffs if you do it the right way. This is not working. Well, what was working finally for us was our picks. And this is actually going to be Lemmings trying to pull one back a little bit, close the gap just the smallest amount. And I'm going to come in at a smooth 13 and three. Jay will bring it in right on my heels at a 12 and four on the week. So we did a little bit better if we could have just got one in week one or in day one there. (laughs) Yeah, tell me about it. We suffered pretty hard on day one. Um, but pretty successful overall in the picks. And I think we're starting to see the team, you know, I think that's just reflective of the fact that we're starting to see teams that are, that are benefited from Rolock, teams that are still middling in Rolock and teams that are struggling with Rolock kind of be fleshed out, um, making these picks maybe not easier, but certainly a little bit more like you can kind of look at a match and go, okay, I, you know, feel a lot more confident in this team. Yeah, I'm with you there. The meta has kind of settled in a little bit and teams have shown whether they're going to be able to fit in it, you know, comfortably or if they're really going to, you know, fit in a square peg into a round hole right now. So it's a little clearer where teams stand within stage four and within roll lock. So it's a little easier to tell you who the better teams are, even though we've still seen some massive upset upsets, even though one team clearly better than the other. All right. And hopefully this content 
was as good for you as our picks were for us. And if it was, you should definitely follow us across Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. We also suggest that you give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. That would be at BreakItDownOWL. And you'll be able to catch us in our next episode, which will be giving you a preview of Stage 4, Week Number 4.